Good morning. Thank you for joining us for worship once again this morning. Is this thing working? I can't tell. Uh, so, as you know, there are many kinds of phobias in the world, and one of them is called philophobia. And this is actually the fear of committing to love. And for me, I, I struggled with that quite some time growing up as well, that I went through some personal experiences where I was rejected or disappointed that when I try to be put in a position where I need to commit to, to, to love somebody or to care for somebody, I would be a bit hesitant because I worry about the pain and the hurt experience that went to myself before. And this is not just in relationships, even in real life, in going through different things in, in daily lives. Um, I really worry as well, and especially uh, when I am just going about on my normal businesses. And the thing that I really worry about is when people are sharing with me some really great stories or great encouragements and I'm not so sure, because sometimes I would go and I would ask myself, like, I want to listen to this or hear about this. And then so at the end, I still felt, okay, it sounds like they're trying to help me. So I go ahead and I open the link. And then it's just people giving me these, like, very trolling kind of messages. And so there's, there's a term that goes by in the internet called Rick Rowling and so this song is called Never Gonna Give You Up by Rick Isley back in the 80s I think and so it was a pretty famous song that got translated or or used by people to to go on internet where they have um, they they have these great stories I think they say they have they want to share and so when someone clicks the link then they end up playing this video instead, and, and you get so frustrated, you're like, I thought I put my trust in you, and I thought you could give me something inspirational or something great, and it's just this song, never going to give you up. But I think this song itself is quite relevant when we talk about the topic of love today, and the passage that we're looking at today is from First John chapter 4, and I think a lot of people have heard of this passage before, and there are just the two same core ideas that got shared over and over and over. And so the first one is, this is love, not that we love God, but that he loves us and sent the Son as an atoned sacrifice to our sins. And the second idea is, if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. And I think these two points are pretty self-explanatory. Like that God loves us, so he sent us one. And if we love one another, then we'll experience God and God is with us, right? So I guess easy clap, like we can just go home, right? The idea is so simple. There's not much to add on this. And we can call it a day, right? But of course, if I say that, you know, there's more to it. And we want to talk more about what exactly is this love that God is talking about that we're trying to live out and pursue. 
And as I dig deeper in this passage, I think the one that really struck me as really simple yet difficult thing to understand and to master is this verse in 1 John 4.18, that there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fears. That perfect love casts out fears. And if you've been with us for the past few months, you know that Pastor Sam from the Cantonese congregation already preached a message around us on love. And even shortly after, our very own Deacon Week One also preached to us a message about love, about the idea that love and fear are opposites. But so then, what's more to add to this? What don't we know already about the idea that love casts out fears? And I think the challenge for us, of course, is not knowing what it means, but it's always so difficult. Like, the concept is easy. Oh, go love other people. Go and show your compassion, show your grace, show your love to others. But in the ground, at the grassroots level, like, how can we do that? How can we go, as we look at the world today, Go love other people that share different political views as we do. There was actually a story, as you know, there's so much going on in Hong Kong, that a story went, um, the story goes that there was a guy who had arguments with his family about these political views in Hong Kong. And it got so heated that one day he was going home, and when he was trying to get home, to go back to the place where he lives with his parents, he got locked out. He realized that the parents locked the door and refused to let him to get in and kind of indirectly saying that he's disowned by the family. And so this person got really upset and started posting on these very pessimistic messages and eventually drank quite a many, quite a few cans of beers and he jumped off from his building and died. It was a really sad story. Or what about when there are people sharing different views on sexuality where we know that there are some steps that we might take because of our faith. But what if they are your own immediate family, your own children, your own cousins, or even your parents that comes out and say, oh, uh, I actually realize that I don't see sexuality the same way as we used to anymore. And I was talking with someone and he was saying how, yeah, he heard stories that he had friends who got kicked out from the house by their parents because of their sexual views. It's just really unfortunate when you think about it that on the surface, this idea of loving one another sounds so easy, but when we get to the crux of it when it's really real to us to love people that sometimes we find really hard to love. What are we going to do? Like, how can we love these people? Right? And so, to understand why John is telling us about the idea of perfect love, we need to know what exactly is the power behind love and fear. So, I think love and fear 
as we talked about previously, they're kind of opposites, right? But they do the same thing in our lives. Love gives us purpose. Love gives us identity. And love, love gives us meaning. So when you experience love, you feel that there's something that you can work towards. That because of being loved, or because of the need to love others, that you're motivated to do something, act upon something. In the same time, if you are being loved, you also have a stronger sense of identity. Even in the realm of psychology, we know that those who are experiencing love and know that they're loved have a stronger self-esteem, have stronger sense of self-worth, and a stronger sense of resilience. To, to know that even if things don't go their way, their identity is not changed because they are dearly loved by the person they looked up to. And thirdly, love also gives us meaning that when we are being loved, we know that there's value in our own lives, that there's something that we have a role, a place in this world. There is something that we can be part of because of the fact that we're loved. But of course, fear on the opposite end of the coin also does the very same thing. That a lot of times when we're driven by fear, we have a sense of purpose to do something. That a lot of the times the things we do is a reaction out of fear because of some trauma, because of some bad experience either to ourselves or to other people that we decide that we need to do something differently about it. Or fear gives us a sense of identity that by living in fear that we know who we are and we know that we need to behave in a certain way because of this traumatic experiences. And of course, fear also gives people meaning that out of fear, they know how they place themselves in society because of their fear of rejection, fear of poverty, fear of just losing something important in their life, that they know the meaning in their lives is to avoid experiencing these kinds of emotions and feelings. And so... Fear and love are really powerful devices in both our psychological and emotional being that drives us to act out and live out in certain ways. And no one can escape it, whether you are a perfectly normal, typical individual, or if you're someone that is deviant from the norm that you are all naturally wired to love something. Whether that love is something that is genuine and towards good, or a love that is towards the perverted or destruction. But we are all human beings created naturally wired for love. And in the same time, fear is something that's natural to us as well, because of our first taste of the absence of love, because of this fear to, of losing love, that we'll do something, that we will act 
upon something in order to avoid losing the sense of love, either towards ourselves or towards other people. And so, the passage we're looking at today, it talks about not just love, but a perfect love that is from God. And when we talk about the idea of perfect, this is not like just our understanding of like 100% like purity, immaculate, and untainted. But in the understanding of the people who read this back then, perfect love is more an idea of completeness. Uh, the idea of being fulfilled. That this is already done. This is already made complete by God. And so, when we talk about perfect love, we can't just think of something that is our, our, our intellectual sense of ideal, idealness. That if it's not how we perceive it to be, then it's not perfect love. If it is not as amazing as we imagine it to be, then it's not perfect love. But rather, it's the fact that everything that is needed to live out the love has been done. Which is why this love has been made into perfection. So that is love. But what about fear? Like, why do we live in fear? Why do human beings ever live on fear? And I think the two major reasons why we usually live out of fear is because we don't want to lose our autonomy. We don't want to have that sense of control that we can do whatever we want to do. We can have the world the way we want the world to be. We want the things that are around us to stay as something that I have influence over. Or we want to live in fear or we have to live in fear because we don't want to lose the sense of agency. We don't want to be able to we don't want to not be able to do the things we want to do. We don't want to feel like we're powerless. We we don't have control over things. We don't want to go into a place where people can act upon the way that we don't want them to act upon and we can't change it. And so, I was having this discussion with my mom the other day then. So I was asking her, so what do you think is the difference between love and fear? And she was giving me this idea that, remember when you were a kid? So, when, when, we, when we love you is when you ask for ice cream and we say, here's five dollars, you can do what you want to do and we'll support you whatever you want to do. And living out fear is if you want ice cream and instead he would tell you that ice cream is bad for you, that if you eat ice cream, you're going to have cavities and if you eat ice cream, you're going to get fat and no one will love you. Or if you eat ice cream and we said no already, but if you insist on eating ice cream, we'll give you two of the most famous Chinese delicacies in Hong Kong. One is called Stew, stew Park in Bamboo Stick, or so-called Tan Tiu Manjiu, or this tilapia fish that is just a slang for plastic flip-flops in the 
in the butt. So, so it's like trying to use fear tactics to drive you away, to, to have that sense of control over your child, to say that we love you because we don't want you to do these things. That's why we love you. But in the bottom line, when you think about it, it's more like I fear my child of disobedience. I fear of losing control over what I want my child to do. And so I need to act upon it out of fear to do these things. And so love and fear are not just opposite ends of each each other, but they also live out in opposite direction when you live out those dynamics of relationships. Whereas love is a constant outward looking out for the others. Your motivations, your purpose, your identity, your meaning is outward driven towards caring for other people, caring for the well-being of those before yourself. Fear is always inward. You're always trying to look after what your needs are, what your discomforts are, what your insecurities are in order to do these actions. That out of fear of these feelings that a lot of the time we comfort people in tragedies. We try to offer advice to people, not because of our genuine love for them, but rather we live in this discomfort that, oh, like, he's feeling sad, and when he's feeling sad, it makes me feel sad, or it makes me feel uncomfortable. So I have to do something about it. And so I'll give them an advice, hoping that that would make them feel better, and that way I would feel better. Rather than when you love somebody, sometimes it's about just being there to be with them. And you might have to live and sit in that discomfort. Kind of like when you have your best friend trying to comfort you. Sometimes they don't say anything. They just sit there and look into the oceans with you and and, and not say a single word. And then at the end of the day, maybe nothing is solved, but maybe you feel better because of the presence of your friend who isn't here to have any agenda with you, right? But of course, when we go back to the original passage that we're trying to figure out what does it mean, we have to look back, right? Uh, what does perfect love have to do with fear? And in John's letter to, to these people, he said that fear is an issue because it has to do with punishment. That perfect love is a means to address this issue of punishment in the world. A lot of times we realize that when we fear something, when we are afraid of something, it's not so much of the emotions itself, but it's really the consequences that is at work in pushing us to do certain things. That a lot of times is out of fear of the consequences. Either we perceive that we'll get rejected by people, we perceive that we would lose our sense of self-esteem, we would lose our sense of identity, that we need to do something, 
that we need to behave something or we need to decline something or even reject love because of this fear. But John tells us that it's okay that, dear friends, we don't have to fear of the consequences because God so loved us so we can have the courage to love one another. We have the obligation to love one another. And of course, this love, when it has to do with punishment, it has to do with the eternal punishment of sin. That it is out of this fear of eternal punishment that a lot of times we, as a church, do wrong to people. That we tell people that you need to believe or you go to hell or you need to do these things or you'll be separated from your friends who are in heaven. But that's just a very tiny piece of the big picture that Jesus is showing us through the gospel. That hell is not so much the torment, it's not the imagery of pain and suffering. It's not just the mere ideas of someone whipping you or burning you or, 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 or slashing you, but rather this terrible place is terrible because it is completely absent of love, that there is no love present in this so-called eternal damnation. And a scholar once described this, that when we think of hell, we always think of this burning inferno. But hell likely is a place that is unique to every individual who might end up in it. That it is a place where they experience the complete absence of love, that they would no longer feel love, but rather they can only live out fear every single day. And I don't know about you, but I feel that that's worse than anything that could happen. If you cannot feel love, and you can only live out of fear for the rest of your life, in eternity. And so, rather, God is telling us, we should love one another because simply of love, that he first loved us. And so we talked about this passage of dear friends, but in the original language, it's much stronger than that. The word that was used to describe his audience was actually the word beloved. These people who are being encouraged to love one another are people who are Beloved, and this is not just being loved, but the word extends much further than that. It's the ones who had been loved, who is being loved, and will continue to be loved by God. That these are people that are filled with love, like you and I. That they will never be disconnected from love from God. That it is this very thing that we are being loved perfectly by God, that we can love other people. That we no longer have to love because of our fear of consequences, but because we are being loved as a precursor by God. 
And one danger too that we always run into is we are not the perfect love. We don't have to wait till we can love someone perfectly before we can love other people. But rather, this perfect love is from God. That because God first loves us perfectly, that we can start loving people no matter how broken, how imperfect that love may be. And so, we are perfectly loved to love, to love without fear. We are perfectly loved to love without fear. Just as we are blessed so that we can bless the world around us. We can love the world around us first and only first because God first chose to love us. If it is not because of this perfect love, our love would almost always, in the end, be driven out of the fears that we experience rather than the genuineness of love that was outwardly towards other people. And maybe that's what perfect love is. It's made visible in Jesus that perfect love will never give you up. It will never let you down. It will never run around or desert you. Perfect love will never make you cry or say goodbye. It will never tell a lie or hurt you. And so, I hope that as we continue to experience God, as we continue to figure out what it means to to be loved perfectly by God, that through the power of love made through the cross of Jesus, we can continue to experience love and live out love to those around us. So as the worship team comes back on and lead us to this song that is called Perfect Love, I just want to ask you to close your eyes and just reflect on this idea. Who are the people in the world right now in your lives that you find really hard to love? Or even the idea that a lot of times you love only out of obligation, only out of your relationship, or your bloodline, or your identity. How can understanding God's love change your view of your love for these people? How can you learn to love these people despite the challenges or the insecurities or discomfort that would be associated if you choose to love these people?